Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well. I know that we're in the spring of the year and uh, you have a young son at home. Did you guys enjoy a spring break? Yes, we did. We had a wonderful time. Did you go to Paris or Rome or what? Uh, we went to Chicago. We oh, say most uh, most of the vacation was spent spring cleaning. Oh, there's that spring we cleaning. We rewarded ourselves by taking a trip to Chicago. I get that. And Chicago's a world city, too. So that's oh, yes. a great, great place. I know you've got some roots there. So it's all yes. good. Mm-hmm. You know, as we think about uh, the spring of the year, people think about fresh starts. That's where spring cleaning comes from, is, you know, we're going to kind of get everything in order. That's right. And we're here on Viewpoint in a series about how we put our speech in order. How do we represent ourselves? Not just with the words we say, but the words we write, our mm-hmm. conduct. How do we tell the truth, so to speak? How do we. Well, just make sure that we're in the facts and not in fiction. I don't know about you, Jamie, but it seems to me like there's a lot of dialogue today in the world around me about what's true and what's not. Is that really fake news or is it real news? Is that a true story or is that a false story? Is that guy telling me the truth or Mm -hmm. can I really trust him to tell me the truth or is he deceiving me? And then I know that I'm tempted sometimes to mislead because, well, I'm afraid if the truth tumbles out, someone won't like me or they'll make a judgment about me. I mean, all of that seems to be kind of front and center right now in a way that it hasn't always been. Do you see that in the conversations you have with people or when you watch the news? Does it seem like truth is kind of a question these days? It does. It does seem like that. And sometimes in that kind of questioning mode, we wonder if the truth even matters, because as we wonder more and more with suspicion, are we being told the truth? How how do we know if it's true? Who do we trust? Then it's easy to kind of throw your hands up and say, well, it doesn't even matter. What, what difference does it make? My reality, my context, uh, my moment, that's all that really matters. But we're here on Viewpoint as we're unpacking these ideas about truth. We're here to tell you, and as we're discovering fresh and new ourselves, truth does matter. Okay, Jamie, have you ever sought to deceive or mislead someone in your lifetime? Ever? Come on, tell me the truth. (laughs) Um, Yes, of course. (laughs) Oh, yes, she says, of course. And uh, I wasn't too afraid of putting you on the spot there because Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the universal human experience. Is there anyone alive that could honestly say truthfully, I've never deceived, I've never tried to mislead anyone? Maybe it's when we were children and we didn't want mom or dad to figure out what we were doing. Maybe as an adult, we just weren't always proud of what we did. Or maybe we thought we could gain something if we just twisted the truth a little bit. I mean, I'd say most of us are not serial liars, but we all know what it is to wrestle with that moment where you decide, I'm going to fudge a little bit on that story. And then when I think about that, I think, well, it's worse if I just tell you a lie. If I just tell you, Jamie, for instance, I'm, I'm really a film star. I, no matter what you think, I, I'm a film star. I have several Oscars. I mean, that, that's, that's just preposterous, absurd. It's very obvious. That seems like an over-the-top lie, doesn't it? It does. What if I said to you, well, Jamie, I'm not necessarily a famous star, but I've, I've been in a movie or two. Well... Uh, I've I've done some acting. Okay, that's believable. That, that's believable, doesn't it? But the truth is, it could be like a half truth, right? Because it's not over the top. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, I've done some acting, but I've never been in a film. So you see how by by navigating my representation to you with something that is 
partially true, it goes down a lot more easily, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yes. Absolutely. And then that tempts us to think, well, if there's a little bit of it's true, it's not as bad as the bald-faced lie. It's, it's a lower level in the hierarchy of trouble. Right. But honestly, a half-truth can be as dangerous or more harmful than a bald-faced lie. So there's a story recorded in Genesis, which is the most ancient part of the Bible, you might say. And it tells us a story of a great man, a good guy, really, Abraham. And Abraham was a person who is represented in the scripture as loving God, being the friend of God, being someone who receives a promise of God. But he also has a problem with telling the truth every now and then. And in fact, he's tempted and succumbs to the temptation to tell a half-truth. He actually manipulates his words to deceive someone who has given him refuge, someone who is his host. He is manipulating the truth in a way that his host believes something that simply is not true. It has to do with Abraham and his relationship to his wife, Sarah. And I know that you have that open right in front of you, Jamie. What does it say? Genesis chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You are a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said she, yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. As you're listening to our program today, you may want to reach out and and give us a call. You may want to ask a question, make a comment, Just have something you want to share. We want you to know we're always glad to hear from you. We have a toll-free number, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, always with a live voice at the other end. Dial this up, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. I'll give you the number again at the close of our broadcast, but we want you to know your voice counts, and we are so glad to hear from you. And when you give us a call, you might want to ask us about the convention coming in June of this year in Orlando. We're so excited to be part of a big convention of people from all over the world joining in Orlando. The host of our broadcast, Church of God Ministries, is is the owner of this convention, and this program is a part of the mix. We hope that you'll join us then. When you call, ask about that. We'd so love to see you there then. We've just heard Jamie read to us a story about Abraham. It's an ancient text, a kind of Bible story that isn't often told. It's not something that everybody learns growing up, but it's still a powerful and important true story about real life. In the story, Abraham is in a foreign country with his wife, Sarah, but he is going to deceive the king of the country 
because he's presented himself to the king, the head of the place, has somehow noticed Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham tells the king, this is my sister. And Sarah owns this deception too, because when asked, she says, oh yes, he's my brother. And the truth of this narrative is that they were half-siblings. It was his half-sister. In the ancient world, he had married his half-sister, and she had married her half-brother. But the more important dynamic of their relationship was not that they had a common parent, but that they were, in fact, husband and wife. That's the part that Abraham did not want to disclose. Later in this chapter, we learn that he didn't want to do it because he was afraid that Sarah was so beautiful that if people knew that it was his wife, they would actually murder him so that she could fall into their arms. And so he was trying to protect himself by telling this half-truth, by deceiving people about the status of their relationship. And that brings us to what you just read, Jamie, about how God intervened and saved them from this difficulty. Because there are several lessons that jump off the page. One is our sexual ethics, our sexual conduct, which is at the core of these relationships uh, in this story, uh, really matter to heaven. And we sometimes think, oh, it doesn't really matter. And well, I made a mistake and stuff with that person who wasn't my spouse. And oh, maybe they were married to someone else, but hey, it was just a one night stand. You know, nothing like that is ever incidental. It has huge implications. But that's not our subject today. What does matter is that the truth matters, and the truth matters to God, and he intervenes in the life of Abimelech, the innocent bystander, the king of the place, who thinks Sarah is a single woman, the sister of Abraham alone, and he invites her to his palace. But before anything goes any farther, God shows up in a dream and warns him, that's not the way it is. And Abimelech is saying, whoa, I'm innocent. And God says, I know. Here's another lesson. God knows what's true and what's not. He watches what we say. We think we talk into the darkness, but you can never escape the ear as well as the eye of God. That should not frighten us. It should encourage us, and it should call the best out of us. And as Abraham is now confronted with the truth, because now Abimelech's going to come to him, he has to realize that Abimelech's own life and future were in jeopardy because Abraham deceived him. Abimelech was innocent, but he might have made some terrible mistakes because of Abraham's lie. And here's another thing. We think that a half-truth doesn't matter. Do you think really that a half-truth can be as bad as a whole lie? Of course. I think so. Because can you think of a story even earlier in Genesis, uh, Jamie, right at the dawn of time where a half-truth sets the whole stage of the rest of history? Of course, in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. I mean, what happens there? We have two people Mm -hmm. who live in the truth. They are absolutely consumed by truth. They live with a complete knowledge of their environment, of each other. The scripture tells us that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. It's a way of describing, I think, their complete transparency. There was nothing hidden. There was no deception. There was no kind of pretending. Everything was honest and authentic and upfront. They knew God. God knew them. But there was another personality in that garden, the devil himself. Mm -hmm. And what happens in the garden, Jamie? You know, the devil's going to tempt Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. God says, straight up front, tells the truth, you can eat anything you want here, but don't touch the fruit of this tree. But the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, intervenes with a half-truth. What's the half-truth? He said, you won't really die. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? God doesn't want you to eat of this. He's trying to deny you this because he knows stuff that you don't know now. And and if you eat of this, you're going to have that complete knowledge and 
he tells you you're going to die, but oh, don't worry about that. You won't You'll really die. You'll be like God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and what the devil's doing is actually using a half-truth because when they, when they violate the boundary of God and eat of the fruit that's been forbidden, they actually have more knowledge than they had before. So in this, the devil was correct. And you know what? They didn't drop dead in the minute, did they? Right. But death actually entered into the creation then. It's the half-truth. It sounded so reasonable. You can just imagine what it was like for Eve thinking, well, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, there's something <laughs> credible about that. Isn't that the way the devil works? Isn't that how temptation works? Mm-hmm. You see, a half-truth is actually often more believable than a whole lie. And so it's easier for us to succumb to the temptation. Mm-hmm. But then we, on the other I, side of the equation think, well, it can't be as bad as a whole lie because there's some truth in it. No, it's worse if it has more traction. And that's what happened in this story of Abraham. The half-truth was as bad. It was worse than the whole lie. You know, much of the world today is being hobbled by half-truths. I mean, isn't that what happens in in politics sometimes? Uh, People give a side of the story, but not the whole story. We we hear just a little bit of something or something that's partially true, and then we run to make a judgment. When too many people don't give us the whole story, well, here's one side of the coin, here's the other side of the coin. I mean, we see that in the public square, but it's not just in the news, it's in our personal lives. Have you ever worked with someone that you began to wonder, are they really telling me the whole story? Yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, trust is eroded because over time we realize that that was not altogether true. It was partially true. Mm-hmm. Uh, gossip flourishes mm-hmm. in half-truth, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We tear other people down, and maybe some of what we say is true, that person's faults or flaws, but we don't tell the whole story of the context, so then we make a judgment about someone else unfairly because a half-truth, which was really deceptive, was not completely honest and authentic, led us to a false conclusion, and other people suffer by that. A half-truth is dangerous, friends, and we all have to stop and think about that. Water you turn into wine You open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than any other Our God is healer Our soul and power are Darkness you shine And out of the ashes 
Jamie and I have been talking about half-truths and how dangerous they can be. A story told in Genesis chapter 20 about Abraham deceiving his host, the king called Abimelech, about the nature of his relationship to his wife, Sarah, leading the king to believe that Sarah was a single woman and available for romance, for a date night out and more. (laughs) And uh, it was partially true, but it wasn't the whole truth. And it deceived the king and and put the king in great jeopardy and in harm's way. Uh, Jamie, why would someone do that? I mean, Abraham is considered to be a prophet of God, the friend of God, a great man of God. Why would he try and deceive the king? What, what was his motivation, do you think? Abraham most likely was afraid. He was afraid that harm would come to him, and, and apparently he hadn't gotten to a place of trust in God completely, so he, he told a half-truth. There it is. Mm-hmm. He, he tried to protect himself. Mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. His fear of what harm might come to him if the whole truth were disclosed is what prompted him to lie to tell a half-truth. In fact, we have that right here later in the chapter uh, of Genesis chapter 20. When confronted with this, when Abimelech comes to him and says, whatever possessed you to do such a thing? Why did you lie? Why would you put me at risk and cause me to do wrong because you deceived me? Why would you do that? And Abraham says, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and they will kill me to get her. Let me just pause here to say, she must have really been amazing. She's gorgeous. <laughs> to think that we're going to kill the husband. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father, but different mothers. And I married her when God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place. I told her, do me a favor, wherever we go, tell the people that I'm your brother. You see, Abraham at the get-go was afraid to let the truth walk before him and felt like he had to help God. In fact, he says, God is showing me a way, but I'm not sure God's really got this. So therefore, I'm going to have to lie to make sure that it all lands well. And this is the devil's business. Wherever you are in life, if you think that, well, I'm going to tell a half-truth, I'm going to obscure the reality, I won't be authentic, I won't be completely honest, and somehow that's going to help me fulfill God's plan in my life, or that's going to help me get to a better place or do some good or protect someone else, just know this, God hates lying lips. It is completely antithetical to the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us that the devil himself is the father of not just some lies, all lies, and that God himself is the author of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. All of this tells us, don't be tempted to tell a half-truth, even if you think it's going to have a good outcome, even if you feel like you're well-intentioned. God does not need your help to protect you from the truth. God will use the truth to protect and empower you. That will always be true. It was true in Abraham's day, and it still is now. As Jamie and I discussed at the beginning of this program, we are all guilty of this, aren't we? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if in no other way we have in this, we have at some time misled someone or misrepresented something. We did it by design. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't because we didn't know the truth. No, we we chose to deceive someone. We may have thought it was just a small thing, that it didn't really matter, but it always matters. And a half-truth, where we tell some truth but not the whole— that can be worse than telling a whole lie. What to do? If you right now, as we're talking, something's coming to mind and you're just remembering, oh man, I remember when I deceived my parents, I deceived my spouse, I deceived my employer, I deceived my friend. I even lied to myself. You see, a lie, no matter who is the recipient, is still a lie. 
If anything is coming to your mind, what to do? You can be free. This is the wonder. In the story of Abraham and Abimelech and Sarah, God intervenes to make things right. He makes the truth clear. All the people on the stage, from Abimelech to Abraham to Sarah, own the truth at the last, and God makes things right. He can make things right for you too. But you have to confess your sin. We have to own it. We can't pretend it's not there. When we pretend we have no sin, when we do not own responsibility for our lies, for instance, then another lie is told. It's just one more lie. And in Abraham's case, one lie led to another. And that's always the way it is. So right now, right now, you can pray with us. And you can be clean. You can be true. Let this truth and the truth of God come into your heart. Take a deep breath and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you are truth and that you are objective truth. And no matter what our perceptions, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our understanding and our finite grasp of reality, you will always be true, objectively, apart from everything else. And we're thankful, Lord, for your grace, because one of the great truths about you, Lord, is how gracious you are, how merciful and kind you are. And when we are honest with you, you will heal and restore us. And when we tell the truth to you, you will truthfully come back and bless us. And to tell you the truth, Lord, we have lied. We have told half-truths. We have deceived others. Father, if there's anyone that we need to repair our relationship with consequent to our line right now, impress it upon us that we might be clean. If there's any lie that we need to unwind and make clear was untrue so that people could know the truth, impress that upon us now. And Father, we admit our failure and ask for your forgiveness. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but we accept it because of what Jesus has done on the cross, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for the truth of redemption and hope and new life. Thank you for hearing our prayer. It is offered in Jesus' name. Amen. Who placed the stars in the heavens above? Because he had formed each one Who knew us better than we know ourselves Before even time had begun And who tells the sun to set in the waters Painting glorious pictures of love Wanna be nothing short of praising you 
give us a call. Maybe you're not sure how to proceed. You've been overwhelmed a little bit by some of a sense of the places where you need to go make things right. Or or maybe you're not sure about going to make anything right, but you just want to know more about this God. Or, or maybe you just want to know more about what is true and what's not. Whatever's on your heart right now, give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. A live person will answer the phone. A member of our team will come alongside We want to hear from you. Alternatively, Jamie, I know some people may not be ready just to pick up a phone and and engage in a live conversation, but still they want to reach out and touch base. If they go online, where would they go? They would go to cbhviewpoint.org. That's right. CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply, I promise. Or at the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Truthfully, we want to hear from you. Jamie, so good to be with you. Thank you. I pray that this spring, as it unfolds, will just keep you looking forward and feeling like it's all good. Thank you. It's so good. And we are so thankful that you have been alongside with us today. We hope you'll join us again next week as we unpack another gem from history that helps us understand the truth and its importance today for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, from all of us at Viewpoint, the ministry team here, so many who work behind the scenes. We are so glad that you joined us today, and we are waiting to hear from you this week. This is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.